0: Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns.
1: know where to put my hands i don't know where to look when i'm talking my name is kellen olson i'm joined as always by kevin zimmerman hi
0: kevin hello we waited we waited we waited until now now is a good time to podcast i would say so yes yes
1: we have not podcasted since our own john gamadoro reported on thursday of last week um, that he would not be surprised if a Damian Lillard trade happens that that makes Yusuf Nurkic available and that that occurrence would entice the Suns to a swap of Nurkic and Aiden with other stuff thrown in you and I were on standby I remember that was a hectic day here because whenever stuff like that comes down we always have the reaction I remember when we did the Kevin Durant instant um podcast reaction when there was like 90 minutes to go until July 1st started we're like, is this going to happen now? It feels like it's going to happen now. And that's how, always how you feel in those circumstances. But we got prepared. We got ready. It seemed like this was the most real out of any DeAndre news in the last two years. And we were not waiting for Damian L- or uh, DeAndre Ayton to get traded. We were waiting for Damian Lillard to get traded because Gambo pointed out, There was one situation where Dame gets traded and the Suns aren't involved, but there were other situations where Dame was traded and the Suns were involved. We got it today in case you haven't seen the news. This is actually the first time I've stared at the trade and like thought about it.
0: Well, that's not good. You've been on radio <laughs> and we've written about it.
1: So. Well, it's the Suns part of it, obviously, I've outlined, but I didn't look at it from like the perspective of what Milwaukee got, what Portland got, yeah. and, and so on, because that's not really what this trade is about in terms of who won or lost it and for the other teams. As if the Suns won or lost it, which we'll get into. Damian Lillard is going to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Portland Trailblazers are acquiring Drew Holiday. DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick from Milwaukee, and then unprotected swap rights with Milwaukee in 2028 and 2030. The Suns get Yusuf Nurkic, that part of it. And then the other players are Grayson Allen from Milwaukee. And then from Portland, they get Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. The Kamara element of it, we should start with. (laughs) Not the Aiton part. Kind of a bummer, man. I was excited to see okay. him play. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes in Portland. There's my five seconds to Tumani Kamara. What would you think?
0: I think big picture you look at. We went into the summer being like, okay, they got four guys on big, big contracts. Got to flip at least one for multiple players. They flipped both for multiple players. So you turn Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiton into Bradley Beal. We've talked about that. Pretty good basketball man. Um... But then you get, I think it's fair to call Little a viable rotation player, Grayson Allen a viable rotation player, Jordan Goodwin, viable rotation player. Can you add another word in front of viable? In between viable, viable and rotation, and there's another starting word Starting playoff rotation. Playoff rotation That's player. Right. I didn't mention Nurkic, I don't think. You did not. So from a big picture, grand scheme of things... The The fact that you have three superstars on max deals now, not four, that you have filled out a roster of, okay, pretty good NBA players. You did really well with minimum contracts. I think they're in a really good spot considering where they were. Now we'll get into the DA value and, and, and NERC value especially because like – the whole reason D.A. had value or in theory would have value is because of what he did in 2021, getting to the finals, being such a unique player who could play 30-plus minutes a night, switch, do different things. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just look at the numbers, and they made tough decisions, and they filled out a roster around three really good players. Now we have to see how that all fits together, and I— that's the excitement right about this team this year is just like how these three stars are going to fit but also do they have the pieces around them to put together a good team and that brings in frank vogel it brings in a whole new staff all that stuff um and i i think they've done a good job roster constructing and they still have picks um we shouldn't not mention that they're going to have to make some more moves, whether it's cutting or trading because... Two more spots, right? Yeah, I think so, because they're they're overstaffed right now, which is a good thing, and I think... Like the Isaiah Todd trade wasn't a big deal, but yeah,
1: can we can we briefly um, reroute the conversation there while we're on it? Um, Keon Johnson obviously makes sense to look around and take a flyer on Keon Johnson, a former first round pick, went in the 20s to the Clippers, didn't really materialize anything there. And then I believe it was the Norman Powell Rocco trade where he went to Portland. To see, okay, young player, more opportunities. Didn't really find a role there. And, I mean, that was a team where there was ample opportunity everywhere. Our guy guy Brandon Williams was, like, doing that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he's the guy that seems to make the most sense in terms of either they let him go or they try to get him for two seconds or a draft swap or whatever. I joked to you when we were on Wolf and Luke that I'm sure they're about to trade for pick swaps again or something. There's going to be something going on in, in there with how creative they've been this offseason, which we've talked about extensively. The What I want to ask you, though, do you think Allen or Little is under consideration? Something Kevin Pelton mentioned in his trade grades was this is the last year the Suns can do the aggregation of salaries where they combine them, and that's where Allen and Little and their numbers make a little more sense. But then again, if we're looking at the pecking order, and this is something I think we're going to talk about a lot more next week, we had debates sitting at our desks we've got this series we're looking at the fifth starters we're still going to be doing it we're still going to be going it's just going to stall out for today obviously to react to everything else but we're looking at all the guys who could potentially be the fifth starter and in my opinion Allen and Little are ranked pretty highly in terms of the possibilities and the skill sets that they have I don't think Allen and Little are guys you could have for example feasibly gotten on the veterans minimum if they were out there in free agency this year which they weren't obviously but are they do you think the Suns are done in that sense? Could they look to? I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But it's like, what other assets do you have? How much is l- value does someone like Little have? Can you get someone more proven,
0: older? Do you think that's something they should explore? They do explore. What do you think? I mean, on top of I went through uh, the the depth that you have of rotation players, but how their salaries kind of are tiered now. It's okay. It's only three max deals. They're big. When you had four like it was hard because it was like top heavy. And then there was Landry Shamit who had like 10 or 11 million. And then it was just like minimum guys. But now you have different sets of like, okay, I can package like a $5 million deal and a $10 million deal. Like there was more variance in that. And that just gives you better opportunity to trade. So to answer your question, I think they can definitely deal these pieces that they have now a lot easier and just get the math to work um, I don't know if, like, right now you would necessarily deal with Grayson Allen. He's a little redundant with Eric Gordon, in my opinion. Um, Defense is a little slept on. Yeah. I think I, you know, he's a good player. I don't
1: think that he's out of the uh, realm of possibility for my— so my big thing with k Bates Diop, is I don't know if he can guard Steph Curry or John Moran or De'Aaron Fox. No one can guard those guys, but can he provide resistance in some kind of way? I think it's tougher for him with how big he is. But that's where Allen and Little are theoretically better fits from a size perspective in that because there's a size perspective of a small forward which is what kate bates diop is like in every sense but then there's the who's guarding the opposing ball handler do we want beal and booker to do that probably not and that's no shade at their defensive ability particularly bookers who we were sitting here after game two the denver podcast like it's probably bad that devin Booker's doing everything offensively and he's also the best option to guard jamal murray like that's probably bad yeah probably not good not good um but to go back to the bigger overall picture of the deal, I, I asked you about that just because I think that our feelings on the value of the trade and if the Suns won or lost it, I think we have to wait. We have to wait and see. You're no fun.
0: I'm just kidding. This
1: is how it works. We have to wait and see for several different reasons. Yeah. But if you want the the more boring, in my opinion, is the answer of like, yeah, they won the trade. I, I Or not, they won the trade. I think that they got better with this move. Um and we'll dive into the reasons why I think why I think that way. But to go back to the main part of this trade which is John Raiden, we talked extensively in the offseason, we have talked extensively for years now about the possibility of him getting moved, what the return would be, all this kind of stuff. And you and I with how limited and the amount of wiggle room that was pretty much non-existent for James Jones and his staff to upgrade the roster trading deandre seemed almost inevitable in that sense but then it was also looking for teams that would be interested in him who would want him how would the trade look you know how many people did fake trades with portland over the summer and it included anthony simons or Shaden sharp no they were never going to get those types of guys it was never going to happen his trade value was never that high What happened with him in the postseason, and I covered this in my column on ArizonaSports.com, what happened with him in the postseason, I can't emphasize the importance enough of when I turned on Inside the NBA, there were Chuck and Shaq talking about what we've been talking about for years. All of these conversations that were pretty local still, even... The bigger and and like smarter, astute analysis from a lot of people, they would briefly touch on Aiden's effort and engagement, but not really like keep the conversation. They'd be like, "Yeah, he's still good. Like, there, we'll see what's happening." Like, but now it was like this is an issue. Like, people were treating it like it was an issue because it was an issue. So those things. You'd be surprised how often those types of conversations are happening in real time in the actual like business of it, like, yeah. in the front in offices, that, yeah. in the ownership discussions, like all of those kinds of people who are having conversations. The timing usually coincides. You'd be a lot more surprised. Now, this isn't to say that you and I sitting here in these chairs <laughs> are, to the caliber of basketball knowledge or analysis of those people, I would double, triple, quadruple... Whatever is after quadruple times 50 in that regard, in my opinion. But that is a thing. And, and that was when it was happening in the Denver series. I was like, oh, this is this is not good, not only for him, but for the Suns in general, if they want to move on from him. And, th- and that's where we're at. On Monday... Uh, Fortunately, because of Gamble's reporting, and I told him this, like I was able to really wrap my head around this for a week. I was really able to see what the possibilities were. I was able to watch tape on at least Little and Nurkic and kind of see what there was there. But some of what I was able to do as well was kind of wrap my head around the center, what it is today. I'm trying not to be too grand. Is grandiose the right way? Is that the right use of grandiose, or is it the other way? Am I using an antonym in this situation? I don't know. What are you going to say? Come on, lead editor. You're gonna letting me down, man. I, I just ranked centers. That's all I did. I was okay. acting like I did some big thought process. I was like, no, let me write down every center in the league and rank them. And what I found is I had DA outside the top 15, but I also had Nurkic outside the top 25. Yeah. So, again, I encourage you to do the exercise yourself and see... You'll be surprised at how many solid slash up-and-coming centers there are. Like when Jeremy was hovering over me, it was like, Alpern Schengen, probably too low on your list, Kel. You're probably going to want to move him up a bit. Walker Kessler, all right, right. Where's Jalen Dern on your list, Kellen? Like, where, where's he going? He's got. he got to be up there a bit. So you go through those guys rather quickly, and w- the main thing that I realized in the exercise is, one, the main thing holding both of these guys back is consistency, and not talent because I would take Steven Adams or Kavon Looney in a heartbeat over DeAndre Ayton, because I just know every night I'm what I'm getting. Yeah. Those guys together are not more talented than DeAndre Ayton. And that's talking about Kavon Looney, who was a perimeter player at UCLA and Steven Adams, who was a lottery pick, but together talent wise, they're not even close. You could turn them into one basketball player together. You could do the, the space jam experiment on them. And DeAndre's still more talented, but the consistency just wasn't there. So I think the main thing from trading DeAndre and it so let me redirect it back to you because I'm kind of getting here but I don't know what your thoughts on it. I made mine known. Do you think the main part of this trade from the Suns perspective is seeing is seeing what they look like, feeling the relief, whatever you want to call it or however aggressive you want to be in your phrasing of it and your viewpoint of it. Do you think the main aspect of this trade is just not having DeAndre on the team anymore or do you think that it actually does have to do It always has to do with a return, but do you get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Because I think it does, but I don't know if everyone agrees. I know everyone doesn't agree. I think that's the tipping point where, again, adding depth matters. Having salary situations matter. And again, they actually are paying more now, currently, as it's constructed. But again, they might ship someone out, so it might be better in a little bit, but it's about the same. But I think that was the tipping point where it was, okay what when you do science experiments you always want to get like random factors out that you non-controllables right and he was a non-controllable and to to your point about like you know what you're getting from steven adams you know what you're getting from like a Jonas flancy that type of guy zubats like maybe they're not that talented but you know what you're getting i think they're getting a variable that they can't control out of the system and just being like okay we know what we're getting from all of these guys on this roster and to some degree that's i mean that is about deandre right like whether that's actual frustration from like his teammates or just like you we can't put together this amazing basketball team because if one thing consistently breaks down it doesn't matter if all the other pieces are in gear or aligned are working because that just throws everything else off and, it, and it's one jenga piece out of the puzzle that just makes it fall down and if you don't if you have that one unreliable Jenga piece and you know where it is and you can get it out of the system and replace it with just a solid one then you're good and and to me that's what it is and again that that doesn't mean I know or whether it's true that his teammates maybe didn't like him or were fed up or if he was unhappy because like that's true too like he could have been asking for a trade and they're just over the past year plus and they're just like all right we just we'll do it when it makes sense but i feel for him too as a human being because it's probably not fun to be and he said it this summer like he felt like the world was against him. it's not fun to be part of trade rumors for a year plus so there are a lot of reasons for it to move on but i think it was stemming at at the basketball operations level from his play right
1: yeah to cover that part of the conversation i think one of the most difficult things about doing our podcast it's difficult to do a basketball podcast like shut up kellen but one of the most difficult parts is we say things in so many places that i don't necessarily cover everything here that i've covered a million places everywhere else i've said this on here a number of (laughs) times but to that point of like feeling for deandre Maybe my favorite player i've covered so far from a uh interview perspective because we never know what we were going to get from him whether it was good or bad um but his honesty i talked about all the time especially during the 2022 run when you talked to me from when i was in a hotel room in new orleans and you were just like i don't know man this isn't the team we covered i don't know what happened the one guy who was saying that stuff was deandre he was the one guy who was like dude i don't know why we're not talking on defense anymore like i don't know like uh, and, and all this kind of stuff he was always honest in that regard and then, of course where you think about honesty and sharing his perspective with some of the um like negatives like talking the money thing that was nuts but it was it was fun uh, to cover him and like his energy when, when it was there was just so much fun um to be around because you never knew what he was going to say like the one of the quotes that i remember from him was um like i'm, I'm going i'm going to like move to the moon or something if Monty doesn't win coach of the year or whatever And then he, like, looked into the Zoom camera and said, like, NASA, I'm going to need you to get on the hookup here or something like that. I can't remember what exactly he said, but um, he was great to cover. And uh, I, I will miss it, and I wish him well in Portland. And here's the thing, Kevin. I don't know if it is going to go exceedingly well to the point where the Suns are lambasted for this trade in the future. But I do think that he is going to get the clarity that he needed because he obviously wasn't able to get it here with the role that he was looking for with how he wanted to be utilized just like anyone else would not pointing fingers and saying it's wrong what he wanted a lot of guys want that in 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 their at that point in their career with how talented he is and he's going to get it in portland so i'm really excited they shot up my league pass rankings by 15 teams at this point to watch him um to your point on the trade itself, again, going back to that, in addition by subtraction, however you want to put it, I, I think, ultimately, referencing our past work again, because I think we have so many people here listening for the for the first time, but a lot of people also who have been listening for a couple of years now, we had conversations, there's there's somewhere in the archives, there's a podcast where with a week to go in the regular season or leading into that Lakers series, we're like, I don't know, man, DeAndre doesn't look ready for this. Like, he just doesn't look ready for it. And I pulled it in my column. I found the post where I wrote about Mikel's extension, Cam's extension, DeAndre's extension, like all this kind of stuff where, like, this is going to help us figure out exactly what the next five years are going to look for, like and uh, look for them. And one of them was if this level of stagnation – Mixed efforts, whatever you want to call it, with DeAndre, which was at an all-time high for us after three years of covering him. Not even in his rookie season was it that wobbly in terms of, like, Like Moses Brown is starting at center for Oklahoma City. What's going on right now? Where is he on the floor? DeAndre? i meaning, like, what's going on? Um, I wrote that if if this continues in the playoffs, like, they they got to ask themselves, like, is it worth risking it again? Another year of contention, another part of this window – risking another year on wondering if he's going to show up or not. What does he do? He earns that money, baby. He goes out there and crushes it. He destroys. He's maybe – I think there's an argument to be made. I wouldn't say this that he was their second-best player on that run. Like, Chris Chris had some rough goes. There was a lot of – speaking of a lot of highs, a lot of lows. That was Chris's yeah. postseason run. It was so many highs that I think it's still him and Devin that were their best two players. But DeAndre is right there as number three, easily, way over Mikel. Not even close. He was tremendous. And I was like, give him the extension. All the concern faded. And then the Dallas series happened. And then the Monty stuff happened. And then there were still kind of those moments. And then last year was the first year of his career where I felt like he actually, not only did he not get better, but he got worse. And then all of that came to a head in the playoffs where it really, really showed on a really big scale. And you could just see things starting to kind of crumble for him in real time. And it was really tough to watch. So from that perspective, I thought it was a no-brainer. I sat here in this room when we went through the whole West for two hours. We did like a -a two-and-a-half-hour podcast, whatever that was. And at the end, we talked about, do we think the Suns will win it? And I told you, they're not my pick right now, and the only reason is DeAndre. And that was it. Because I I couldn't confidently tell you that they were going to get what they needed out of him for four straight playoff series over six weeks, two months. It's a long time to expect that out of him. So when it comes down to them being better or worse, with that factor out of the way... And still bringing in a guy who is a starting caliber center. Now he's a top 25-30 center in the league who's a starting caliber center who still can do some things defensively. He's going to get hunted off the floor. We'll talk about that in a bit. And they got two other guys who can factor in their playoff rotation potentially. But I think not having that um, question is going to positively affect the team and the makeup of it and just how much easier things are going to Feel for them, which is also a weird thing to say because there's like three guys left from last year's yeah. team. <laughs> so like, that's always a weird thing to say out loud. But that's where I'm at, man. I, I think they got better, but to sit here and confidently say it, I don't think you're being rational. Um, but it's weird because I do think you're being rational if you think they confidently got worse because the talent is, duh. Like he's not even the talent disparity is off the charts between him and Nurkic, not even
0: close. The the wild part for me is I wanted. Personally to see Frank Vogel work with him because yeah. I I wanted to see I always framed it like this. He was gonna be asked to do more, right? He was gonna ask to blitz more, he would ask be asked to at least be level on screens more, um, to switch and in between plays, change coverages or depending on what the play was to change coverages. I, I didn't see enough of that with Monty. That was just Monty's defense, really, I think. Um, not that they didn't adjust, but they didn't adjust in, in wild ways very often. I wanted to see DeAndre handle that and be asked to do more and see if maybe that would empower him. I th- I think I know the answer would be that it would he would still have those spirals where he would mess those things up and it wouldn't go well. But I wanted to see maybe if it's a new voice in his ear where he just is focused and, and that changes things. I know that's oversimplifying things, but... <laughs> It didn't seem like he had a great relationship with his past coach. So I'm disappointed we didn't get to see that because I think that would have given me the more firm answer of, okay, it's not there.
1: Yeah, Um, I I wonder if we're going to get there to the point where the reporting does come out, if it is in fact that, that this was like he, a majority of this motivation to move him was actually what he wanted. Yeah. Which is very possible because the situation was not, Great for him in
0: a couple of different ways. And Um, he was open about it. From
1: his perspective.
0: Yeah, and to to give him credit, he was always, like, super open about, like, wanting to do more Um, and and dating back. If you look at his history, going back to Arizona, it was like, let me shoot more three. because coach. It's like, I don't think you're good enough, but maybe you can pick spots. And then he would try, and then Monty would shut him down after, like, two games of him kind of hinting at maybe he was thinking about it. I don't know. Um playing with Scoot in that team Shade and Sharp, like I think that squad will be utilizing him, obviously. He's gonna be the role man, he's gonna have a lot more responsibilities offensively. But I've said this on the radio, I've probably said it on the past podcast, like I went and read after this season, I think, your basically big column on why they shouldn't draft deandre and it wasn't even about Luca at that point it was about deandre's red flags and just the things we saw at arizona the when headline he was, playing there. was
1: not number one deandre and the versatility of modern centers i still remember the headline because of how much of like a i knew that was going to be a polarizing piece when i posted it thing
0: yeah and I, so i read it at the end of this past season and it, it reads like you could write it today about him today um and again he got better he was to be clear this is not a cal and his
1: right parade because in that story i say luca can't play point guard whoops and i also (laughs) wrote some things that deandre i thought was going to do worse and he wound up doing better yeah
0: and and he did develop but it was the big picture stuff were about consistency were about do you actually have more to your offensive game like yeah he has a little mid-range spot up but does he have dribble stuff does he have down the hill Versatility, where he can take a dribble and move like Amari Stoudemire. No, still hasn't developed that. Like the one play with him at the Bahamas this summer, where he like actually took a dribble and went on the other side and dunked. Like it was like, oh, that shouldn't be for a number one pick. Like surprising that he took a dribble or two or whatever and went to the other side and threw it down. Like that shouldn't be a thing that impresses us that much the, the
1: damning play in there is the one against um oh gosh like it's some random like rhode island northern iowa thing he does the i'm four feet away but i'm gonna pivot out and spin eight feet o- to get eight yeah. feet away for a hook shot against some six, six eight seven, dude. yeah yeah some six eight Forward, dude center. probably a lawyer right now or something <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? so um yeah that that was th- those kinds of things never really went away and now they're they're moving on. I think it's safe to say, much like Mikel, this is something we're not going to be talking about for the last time. Mm-hmm. We're going to be checking in with Portland and seeing how it goes. And to give my last thoughts on it before we move on to what they got in return, the whole point of what I wrote on the site in my column is that listeners know if you've heard me talk basketball anywhere for more than three minutes, you've probably heard me... Some people like to characterize it as, like, waffling or not having a hardcore stance on something. But I just think that things are very, very rarely black and white in basketball and, like, in everything, really. But this is a black and white thing to me. The Suns are either going to be better or worse without him, and it's going to be pretty obvious when we see it. And then this is either going to be the best thing that ever happened to DeAndre or it's just going to be the latest... um, What's the, oh my gosh, I was going back to pull a meme and I was really happy about it, and then I forgot it. Like, the the I can fix him meme. Yeah. I can fix her meme where it's like Monty Williams, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and now it is Chauncey Billups uh, in Portland. And I hope they do because I think something probably we didn't talk about enough and I didn't talk about enough is that when DeAndre is playing well and he's there, he's the most one of the most fun guys to watch in the league. Because it was like, that, tw- that 2021 <clears> tape, <throat> I could watch it all day yeah just the with how hard he's playing and everything that he's helping his team do without ever touching the ball yes yeah. is, is is really cool and i'm looking forward to seeing how uh him and scoot get going i think they're going to be a fun team to watch i think he is not fading out of the conversation here for the rest of the podcast because you have to compare him to Nurkic. And something I'm writing about on the site right now that'll be up later tonight, probably by the time you're listening to this, it'll be up, is I declare Frank Vogel as the X factor of this entire trade, because much like we talked about um, DeAndre Ayton and how Frank Vogel can get the most out of him, um, I believe it's now... Not if Frank Vogel can get the most out of Yusuf Nurkic, but can he build a league average defense around a team that starts Yusuf Nurkic at center? You referenced his two years in Orlando. I looked it up, and it was 24th and 20th in defensive rating with Vucevic, which is not good. But it's also, if you told me right now, like at this moment, going into the playoffs, would I take the 20th in defensive rating for the Suns? I think, I think i might yeah <laughs> like that that's it's not it's below average but it's not terrible and they're gonna be top three in in offensive rating surely probably first um with the amount of shooting that they're that they have even more of now um but i think it's gonna come down to vogel because it, uh the the excellent steve jones um of the dunker spot has been like um subtweeting some of the takes that have gone around recently about Nurkic specifically and labeling him as a defensive anchor. I think it's like really smart the way that he's like putting it there because every center is is an anchor or whatever, right? Like that's what their job job is. But you have to be good at it to actually (laughs) anchor the defense. And that's not necessarily how Nurkic works. But you can build what Steve alluded to in some of his tweets from today is you can probably build a solid enough defense around him to make it work. Um, Nurkic, the quick background here, at least on him defensively, is not the most mobile guy, very um, top-sided. I don't know how to, how to put it, really. He's just a massive, <laughs> strong man. Actually more nimble than you would think, but then he broke his leg in 2019, and 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 man, that sucked and was a tough turn for his career. Because at that point in the in the previous two seasons, teams were shooting around 55% at the rim on him. or uh, Shots he guarded were at 55% because that weird second-spectrum data doesn't... It used to be at the rim, and then they changed it in the system. I don't know why. I wish it didn't cost more than a house that I live in to get second-spectrum data. But I, I digress. <laughs> that is another rant for another day. Bottom line for is ran-ish. he became a pretty solid <laughs> rim protector. But here's the thing. Rudy Gobert is one of the best rim protectors we've ever seen, Kevin. But can you play him in the Western Conference Finals? You cannot. And that is where the—here the, lies the rub. There it is. So now at this stage of his career, he 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 doesn't move as well, but he can still play in that drop. He can occasionally—found some clips that are going to be in the story. Like, he's coming to the level against Jalen Green and recovering on him and blocking a shot from behind. Like, he can still move, and he's, again, just— DeAndre is such a gigantic human being that it's hard to compare anyone else and say he's gigantic, too. But Nurkic is just massive. He's a huge dude. So that part of the equation, like he can still protect the rim. Now, on opening night, is Chris Paul going to play him off the floor? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Might happen. Uh, We'll we'll have to wait and see. And that's where I believe if I had to guess, is he going to close more games than he does not? (laughs) Uh, In the playoffs, I would guess no, and I would guess that their closing five is someone else. Is it Durant? Is it Eubanks? Is it Metsu? Is it Bull Bull, Kevin? (laughs) Is it all these centers that they got in July? I hope that the YouTube
0: algorithm picked up. You said Bull Bull. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure. You hear that, SEO gods? (laughs) (laughs) Bull Bull. Send us all the (laughs) clicks. Bull Bull highlights. Bull Bull mixtape. Fire emoji. 100 (laughs) 100 emoji.
1: Anyway. My FBI agent is so... is laughing hysterically at his desk right now. He loves this (laughs) SEO-related humor. I hope you're doing well, uh, Damien. I'm deciding my FBI agent's name is Damien. Uh. Yusuf Nurkic. Mm Mm-hmm. Where do you land on this defense thing? Because is it is it detrimental? Are his weaknesses detrimental enough for you to feel negatively about this trade? Uh, I think for me, yeah, it is eighty percent the whole like. Now we don't know who closes games at two positions. That's not great. Twenty um, percent is even going to be healthy in April. Yeah, that's that's my worry chart on who I think is going to be someone. Our guys who always come in here, and we uh, we as people who watch more NBA basketball than a lot of people watching, and we're just saying that because we have the privilege of it being our jobs and we're able to, um, he's going to surprise people. And this is not to sit here and say, like, this was a steal. They got, But you're going to watch Nurkic some nights, and you're going to be surprised at how good he is. Yeah. Um, much like we talked about Dario in that in that way, we've talked about a lot of guys. Like I think Nasir Little is going to be someone we kind of talk about in that way, where at least when he's rolling, you're going to be surprised at the impact that he can make on the floor. But for you, is that are you worried enough for this to actually affect the way that it looks? At do you look at the trade more negatively because of that fact? Because no. that is it is a fact that he's yeah. going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. Like it's it's just a
0: fact that he should not if they pull him. But I. I think there are two ways to look at this. One, Nurk is, like, why does Zubac play so much? Because he's smart. He's just a big body. He's a physical body. Offensively, there is a lot of value to just how good of a screener he is as a big body. But also he is, and this is the most exciting part that I'm going to look at, is just his passing because he's been hovering around three assists his entire career. And to me, that's valuable, and he's basically like a larger Dario in in some respects. Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if I'm right or just making stuff up, but I think you can argue that he might have a better role off the bench, and that's where you have options, right? Like, I think usually how teams are constructed these days, like Zubac, like, um, Valanciunas, Steven Adams, those bigs are in the starting lineup. And then, you, you know, you, you play them 20 minutes, 25 minutes tops, and you're good. I think he could be a bench option with more spacing and shooters with Lee, Wantanabe. Um, your defense gets really questionable then. But yeah, I I see it as they have more options now. And I think the biggest factor in this is Frank and signaling that they're going to be more comfortable playing small. And I think the Nasir-Little part of this is major because with Nurk coming in and being that limited, you need a big body to like four who could, in many stints against other teams, play small ball five. And I think Little is that guy where... Maybe Batesy up was that guy too, but you have it's, a couple it's, options.
1: It's KBD if it is him. Nasir Little is like a he's six five thing for me. He's thick though, seven two strong man. A lot of str- not the strongest man on the team. That is the strong man himself, yeah. Ishwane, Right, but I, I agree with you. I think that a, a fun anecdote, not a fun anecdote, but a relevant anecdote here. Uh, do you know? Why Yusuf Nurkic wasn't closing games for Portland? Because you could hunt him? You know who they played instead of him? Drew
0: Eubanks? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I said that—I've said this before. I'll say it again. The one guy out of the eight or nine guys that they added in the offseason that I went back and watched a tape and was the most impressed with because, again, these are guys who are barely watching— Sorry, everyone, I wasn't locked in on the Blazers that much last year when Drew Eubanks really um, stood out in the year before. But he was impressive, man. I looked at him and I was like, if if they move Aiden and it's more of a committee thing at center and they just need a rock solid 22 minutes out of (laughs) someone, I think this is a guy. I think this is a guy for sure. Can he close playoff games? Have to wait and see. Don't really know about the defense just yet in the same ways of Nurkic. Like, how how much can you hunt him? I don't know. But the rim protection from him was also pretty solid um, from that point. But you've got Metu. You've got Bol Bol. Like, they put options in place clearly by design, thinking that this was at some point going to happen. Otherwise, why would you have all these centers, which is why we sit yeah. here? Guess what makes a lot more sense now? Signing Bol Bol. It did not make much <laughs> sense two months ago. Now it makes a whole lot more sense and is a move that I approve I approve now. I didn't even approve it before. I was just shrugging, like, whatever, sure. And now it's like, now it makes sense because I think you need to take as many lottery tickets or whatever you want to call them, chances on development as you can with that position specifically. What you just said and something I mentioned on Burns and Gambo is that we have now gone from four guys who were guaranteed the rotation to three. I really don't even think Nurkic <laughs> is there anymore. Because speaking of hotel conversations I've had with you after Game 5 in Denver, I was like, Jock Landell's got to start, man. And <laughs> you were just like, you can't sit DeAndre. I think you can sit Nurkic. Yeah. I think it's easier to do yeah. now. And guess what? He's just much like the Eric Gordon thing. We're going to see a lot of games where he's not playing. It's just he he gets hurt. That's how it goes. Ho- hopefully for the sun's sake and just getting to see this whole thing out for us too. He's going to be playing in April. But we're going to see what it looks like without him. We're going to see some of these other options. Like, I do think that... I did not go into the season thinking that Metu or, or Bol Bol were going to get many looks at all and like we were going to go into April being like still having fans being like man I want to see what Bol bull has got <laughs> you know what I'm saying like everyone clamoring for Terrence Ross and, and all these guys in April because we hadn't seen enough of it yet we didn't know what it looked like really TJ Warren another one where it's like yeah. I want to see TJ out there man why haven't we seen them I think we're going to see nearly everyone like I think just about everyone is going to get really opportunities maybe Damian Lee is one of the few guys just because he's so proven and such a uh, commodity for them and no no commodity i should say at this point but everyone else i think is really going to get a look um let me ask you this are you with me that they have enough at center to win a championship now oh it's a question now in a different way we were asking it in a different way imagining
0: hitting Jokic with this roster is tough imagining hitting Giannis with this roster is tough okay let's go let's go through Western Conference teams you ready yeah okay because the Suns helped Mm -hmm. by the way did we mention that they traded Damian Lillard to the Bucks we'll get there (laughs) we got a lot of time buddy
1: nothing but time thankfully your students at Cronkite did not have to worry about this tomorrow oh, yeah would you just cancel the class i asked you earlier can you do that you got I can't, it like that
0: i can't answer that question on this public <laughs> podcast there's my answer i'll tell you after
1: <laughs> i didn't realize i was blowing up the spot i'm so sorry okay <laughs> the denver nuggets have nikola Jokic. the minnesota timberwolves have carl anthony towns the oklahoma city thunder have chet Holmgren. i don't know what to do with that the Portland Trailblazers have DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. The Utah Jazz have Walker Kessler. I don't know where he factors eh, into your nah. conversation. The Golden State Warriors have Kevon Looney. I mean, he's going to at least be incredibly annoying. Yeah. Uh, Clippers, Zubac, Lakers yeah. have that Anthony Davis guy. He ain't bad. Yeah. The Kings, they've got DeMontis Sabonis. He's pretty darn great. The Dallas Mavericks have Derek Lively II. They have Maxi Is Dwight
0: Powell still around? They,
1: have, have we no t- longer have JaVale McGee no they're fine it's fine there the Houston Rockets have Alper and Shangun. Nah. the Memphis yeah. Grizzlies have Steven Adams and Jared Jackson Jr the New Orleans Pelicans have Jonas Valanciunas boy I'm excited to cover Valanciunas Nurkic I'll be there yeah can I just have popcorn and a soda with me like I'm at the movies the Spurs have Zach Collins and Victor Wimanyama, whatever, they're not part of the conversation, at least in the short term right now. So there's our thought exercise. Do you have more concern now for the postseason after that thought exercise? Yeah. I think I do too, pal. Hmm. But again, I think a lot more of my hesitation would be around What's wild is it so <laughs> there sorry. Two things have gotta happen this regular season. They've got to. Yeah. One, Vogel's gotta go through all these guys. He's gotta see him out. He cannot be one of those coaches that and I don't know how he works. We haven't been around him enough yet to like evaluate his little ticks, like Monty Williams played Sheck Diallo for four minutes and then we didn't no, see him for go. three months. He was just gone. Gone. Like that can't happen with someone like Metsu. Like you gotta give him some you gotta give him some run here. Let's see what we've gotten all these guys. This this regular season is not about getting the first seed. It's gonna be about just getting better towards April. That has got to happen, one, and then two, he has to get these guys in a recoverable enough defense to where if we got to double these post guys or if we got to scramble and recover if we got to cover them a certain way shift more towards this way that way he's got to have them in line there because this is it is a league full of that and we've seen like dallas spent what was it like 70 million collective dollars on christian wind mcgee just because they were worried about this whole thing how'd that Um, go I think Nurkic is an underrated one-on-one post defender. I will say that. Like, the whole, like, Sabonis, is— Yo- Like, Jokic is, like, no one. Is no one. Yeah. Sabonis is pretty much no one. Like, that, it's, that's a thing. Um, but physically, he can, he can match up with those guys. It's just like when Sacramento's running all their DHO nonsense at the top of the key. Like, how is Nurkic supposed to handle that in a playoff situation? That's where I grow more uh, hesitation in that kind of regard. Yeah. But uh, I—, I it, the thing is like the other it, what was the other option I felt less confident I felt less confident than the other options still especially since we got the Denver series last year because if we wouldn't have got the Denver series I still would have been able to cape on how I watched DeAndre outplay Jokic in 2021 can't say that anymore um certainly like it was not nearly as good of an it was like 15 times as worse of an effort from him
0: and probably yeah. more honestly yeah it's it's uh that's the weird part of it though it's like saying we have the what if we have the if when you had DeAndre Ayton but there are certain teams where this roster matches up and you're just like I don't know what you do like you just you can't play Nurk maybe half the time that Jokic would play because he apparently can just play 40 minutes now um that's only one team but same thing with when you go to Giannis and the Eastern Conference obviously that that matters only if you get that far um but yeah maybe i'm overstating it because again like a lot of the other western teams ad worries me to some degree but of all people who probably knows how to stop that guy it's probably his former coach yeah it's it's gonna come down to creativity man and lineups and combos and finding who fits and then you have to worry about the off the offense will be do you have a coach that embraces that if you do which i believe they do they're going to be they're going to be fine i think he's going to have to get wild on this team he's going to have to get wild and that's why i still think this keeps playing this trade plays more into i already thought they had this roster that was very much josh kogi you might start round one uh nasir little you might start round two drew eubanks you might start like it could get crazy and you just keep big flipping everyone else around the big three and i'm i'm excited to watch that kind of basketball because i think yeah people watched monty get stale and yeah they got really far but gonna be
1: fun to see a a better screen setter and that's uh DeAndre got much better screen setter i think his angles yeah. more than like actual setting the screen were better than like the the consistency of the screen wasn't necessarily there, but the angles on the screens were. Nurkic has more of that stuff. I mean, if you run a two man game with someone like Dame, who Dame Dame loved Nurkic the whole time, they were really close there. From what I read, um, he's going to have that down in part of his game. And then quietly, Mister um, Nurkic, thirty six percent from three on over two attempts a game last year. Like you're going to run some pick and pop stuff here with your big, and that you talk about my my whole predicament of showing Caleb of like what do you do if bradley beale runs a pick and pop with use of when kevin Durant, kevin Devin booker
0: one pass away like and that's the thing i don't know that's you the probably thing about, leave Nurkic open and that's it that's the thing about nurk's passing too is yeah just dribble handoff stuff high in the key in the center of the floor um book and beale are amazing you wrote that piece a few weeks ago about book and beale working off the ball more um that's going to make it easier on them. Like when you talked about point 0.5 and what Dario did under Monty's offense, like kind of the same idea, but dudes just, he's a tank man. Um, that's going to be fun to watch that again. That's the most excited I am to watch of, of Nurkic
1: clips. Uh, creativity and versatility comes back to the forefront again. When you bring that up, it's yeah. like, are you running enough offense to where you can be creative enough and present enough threats in one given sequence to where Nurkic can Get the most out of his passing, which is which is good. Not to sit here and say that it is like he's a better passer than Ain. is it a significant part of the offense now? No. Yeah. He's 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 a good passer. He'll he'll find some <laughs> stuff there if anyone wants to call an audible on a back door. He's got it. Uh in a pinch. I'm trying to think if there's anything more. We already talked about the injuries. Now he it's one of those weird things like Beal where like he did get shut down in some senses, so you don't want to overreact too much, but at the same time the history uh with his injuries are there. Most of his strengths offensively are in the one on one sense, uh, unlike DeAndre. Yeah. Uh I, I think people will be surprised to hear me say that, but here's the thing about DeAndre Ayton. In the last three years, the lowest that DeAndre Ayton shot at the rim was seventy five percent. That was the lowest. Nurkic's career high is sixty three percent. He misses a lot of bunnies. <clears throat> just kind of gets in his head sometimes. I don't really know what it is, but there are inconsistencies and like lulls in his game that are similar to DeAndre's, but the finishing at the rim and the bunnies, like that's going to have to be a thing that he locks down. Eubanks was someone from an efficiency standpoint that really stood out to me when I watched him as well. So that's another part where if like Nurkic misses two bunnies in game four and the Suns are up 2-1 or down 2-1, Vogel just like...
0: Eubanks Eubanks is like top five in post-up
1: points per possession also. When... When you have Kevin Durant, Den and Bradley Beal and someone else is shooting the ball, as we learned last postseason to a certain extent, like those guys have got to, like they cannot miss the freebies. Like yeah. the Josh Akogi play, that can't happen. The DeAndre Ayton play where uh, Matt Peterson was posting that clip, like one of the handful that came this postseason where it was like a missed bunny wide open. And Nurkic does that as well. Yeah. So that's going to be an interesting part to see the tug and pull, the, the push and pull there, whatever you want to call it, the tug of war there in terms of how much the Suns are willing to be Okay with that part of his game, but he's a very—I love guys who know where to be, and it just seems like they're always in the rhythm and the flow of the game. And that's from being someone who is a self-proclaimed Dame fan on this podcast. I could tell, like, he had the Dame seal of approval of just like I love this guy because he plays—he plays tough and he knows where to be. Yeah, kind of. There's some Dario comparisons there, not to make the same comparisons with two European guys and their in their sense, but it's it's there. Anything
0: more on uh, our new Bosnian friend? No, I'm curious what you think between Little and Grayson Allen because I think Little, like I said, provides a lot of defensive versatility, maybe f- when we talk about fifth starter type stuff, um, but he still has a lot to figure out. Like I think he's somewhere in between the bull bowl, bowl of getting a second chance and someone a lot better, like DAA. He's somewhere in the middle there. Um, but also, Grayson Allen, for as much as people hate him for certain actions he's done, and being probably from Duke, he was a double-digit scorer. He played a lot for a Bucks team that, like, important games. and I know they had a bunch of injuries this past year, especially. So maybe his numbers are inflated but he is probably especially if we keep talking about nurkic being played off the floor grayson allen might be the more utilized in some senses and again if eric gordon wasn't on this team i would absolutely be like oh man they really need this guy but like which one do you think is a bigger piece to this playoff puzzle if we're projecting way ahead i guess <sighs>
1: it's little if he can defend ball handlers adequately because if he can do it at an adequate level, Frank Vogel is going to get more than adequate out of him. Um, But because I know that Grace Allen sort of can, but I know there's a cap on Grace Allen's effectiveness. Yeah. Like if he's guarding, if he's guarding Steph in the Western conference finals, we got issues. Yeah. He can, he can do a good job. He can be annoying and he can put in some work. (laughs) And, tire out and be annoying and i think grayson is a good overall defender and i think he's going to surprise people because all, all the 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 antics mm-hmm. the return of antics boss man nine nine <laughs> gone but not forgotten but in comes grayson allen to pick up where he left off with the antics looking forward to it looking forward to by the way all nonsense. three of those Suns fans absolutely hate him but the first time he hip checks pat beverly they're going to be in love so the, they'll just... all
0: three of the dudes who might play out of the portland trade like, all three of them are going to hit someone, I think, and yes. hurt them. Yes. So that that's a theme. Okay, continue. So, sorry. No,
1: that's a good bit to to hit on. it. Dave Burns nailed it where uh, old heads out there remember how Danny Ainge played and how annoying he was. Like, this is a reminder of that kind of acquisition as well. Someone in our comments
0: said they just traded for uh, Danny Ainge's Hellspawn. So Ooh, there's that. I like that. I like that. Not going to mention who he looks like
1: not going to give any credence <laughs> to that individual so like so, but the thing is i think that i'm curious i i think Nasir little can be a better defender than grace now by the end of the season but i don't know if he is and here's the thing kevin it's miraculous how many people i all of a sudden have just watched enough use of Nurkic tape to like be able to really break down his game intricately all of a sudden you know so there's so much there's a lot more mystery to this for me um, then the, like by three games in, I will have seen enough, if Nasir Little and Grayson Allen are in the rotation from day one. We'll be a week into the season. I'll have a, a extremely better feel for where I am on them as players than I do right now. I would say right now, based on uh, playoff contributions and contributions to great teams, Little hasn't really had the chance in that regard, to be fair to him, but Allen is the better overall defender. But I think there's a chance that Little is better than him as well. And where do those guys stack up with KBD? Where do they stand up with Mr. Okoge? Mr. Yeah. Goodwin, Mr. Gordon. I am not sure. Wadnabi, Damian Lee. Like all of a sudden, the the index card, James Jones, the madman has done it again. He buy by by golly gee whiz. He he's <laughs> f- found that three by five that he was looking for the whole time. I I I'm just going to defense, Kevin, because that's so that's yeah. where offensively you're like, well, Chris Now not there for shooting dust. So I think like Oh man, if I'm not off base on Grayson Allen's defense, I think he's the starter opening night. Ooh. I think.
0: Just think about the shooter out there, you know? Like and is competent and also he does do initiation stuff like he can take stuff off Beal and Book. He isn't before he was be, a but... shooter,
1: he was an excellent scorer on on the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah. That was his calling card was scoring more than shooting. And he's kind of reimagined his career like J.J. Redick did to a certain extent. Um, an easy comparison to make between the two of those guys. It possibly Obviously, is, yes. <laughs> Grayson is a wildly different player in, in a few different ways, to say the least. But offensively, it's not close. I think that when I was watching this Sierra Little Tape in the last week, um, unlike Grayson, There were developments to his offensive game that encouraged me in terms of the .5 stuff and just how he could assess things and be capable in that regard. Um, But let's – I don't really – do you have more to say on those two guys specifically? So let's play the game right now. Let's do four hours after the trade, five hours after the trade. Let's pick nine guys right now. Who who are the nine guys Devin Booker. Okay, so we have Mr. Booker we're typing here live we have mr beal kevin durant we have mr durant we have mr
0: Nurkic. give me your fifth starter opening night i mean i'm not even gonna think about that but i'm gonna say eric gordon i don't even care if you
1: okay that that's fair okay we get to our fifth guy eric gordon is the first ball handler off of the bench yeah we're one of those and now yeah i don't know um, I'm going to pencil in KBD behind Mr. Durant. Okay. Now we are at six gentlemen. Let's get Eubanks in there behind yes. Eubanks. Or Eubanks behind Nurkic. Yeah. We're at seven. Two more, you said? Two. We're going to... Oh. We've got Devin Booker. So We've got Devin Booker, Eric Gordon, and Bradley Beal as our trio in the backcourt. our on our wing group we've got KD and Katie Bates-Diop and then as our big group which is done we've got Nurkic and Eubanks so we've got Did two you more put spots.
0: Grayson in there yet? You didn't? Did not. I think he bumps ahead a good one because yeah. of the shooting and the respectable defense if not annoying. I'll put Allen behind Beal.
1: Okay. Okay so to be clear one more. Stand by. <clears throat> we have got this little he is a candidate a kogi we got jordan goodwin and mr kogi oh bowl 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 damian lee oh ish wainwright yuda watanabe oh mr metu i think he's out of it i think he's more of a five yeah. there's some four stuff there that could be percolating for a young player that Oh, you've been monitoring, as long as you've been monitoring
0: DeAndre and you've been monitoring Mr. Metu, uh, but... You need to have one of the corner guys, and I would think... Juan Tanabe would be it over Lee, just based on positional what we have thus far. Because... Here's my cop-out, you ready? Yeah.
1: I think KBD starts game one or starts uh, the opening (laughs) season, like game one of the regular season, but I think it might be Grayson by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. So we got Booker, Gordon, Beal Allen as the backcourt, and then the wing group we've got Durant, Bates, Diop, Uda. Then we got Nurkic and Eubank. So on the outside looking in, we've got Jordan Goodwin, Damian Lee, Josh Akogi, Eric Gordon is in that group. I'm reading his name again just (laughs) for clarity. Ish Wainwright. Is Nasir in not in the top nine then? Nasir the is the guy that I'm missing. Where we, we have no Nasir in the top nine. Yeah, is all of our infatuation with Mr. Bates Diop just coming from that they might have gotten a steal department where we're overlooking the fact that Nasir Little's better than him? Is that is that is a possibility? I legitimately
0: don't know the answer because I again didn't watch those two poor teams enough. Nope. I but I you. think that's the big question is those two because they play the same position. Again, redundant and. The does best Nasir, case doesn't shoot threes very well right now. Last season, kind of. He started taking more off the dribble, which was
1: really interesting. And the off the dribble numbers, like it was nearly one. It was like point a seven a game or something, which again, not, nothing crazy. But it was like he's actually taking off the dribble threes now, and the numbers weren't. It wasn't like the thirty-eight and twenty-five percent numbers you see, where thirty-eight for catch and shoot, twenty-five for pull-ups for guys like that. It was actually like in the thirties and pretty decent. So. He was. Um, still not.
0: Uh, we're still wondering. Like Bates Diop, we're still wondering. Are we being unfair to our returning sons and Damian Lee and Josh Kogi here? Because they. In terms of who won or lost a trade, Josh Kogi lost his trade. Jordan Goodwin yeah. lost his trade. That's tough. Yeah.
1: Grace now coming in like cuts the minutes down for those guys. It's tough. But Allen just like. The defense is not bad. It's at least average, I feel confident in saying, as far as how confident we feel with the guys we've seen limited tape of. Grayson is, like I feel confident, saying he's at least an average defender. And and that's where average defender with a guy who shoots 40 plus high 40s from the corner, uh,
0: that's going to work. Here's here's the crazy thing is the guys that we have penciled in right now, like KBD, Little, especially we don't – and even Goodwin to some degree, we don't have – I know we didn't have him penciled in, but they have not played on like winning teams before. Like, if there's going to be tanking and they're just not catching up to learning the new system and and not and having this learning curve about fitting in with the team that's very serious about winning, then like Damian Lee and Josh Kogi are just going to take those minutes because those guys we know are pros have done the thing for a good team. Like, a Kogi did it last year where he hadn't been on this type of team and he's just like locked in and so I think you have their insurance at the very least if not going to be in penciled in because the other guys aren't getting it or whatever so I think that's going to be interesting as Bulbul especially too in this conversation of how quickly can you learn and, and figure out and, and follow like some very serious basketball men in like Booker and Durant and and Vogel and learn this stuff real quick
1: to close on this on this portion like previewing the rotation um what just happened is i typed up a different nine um there are some similarities in there but if i'm so that's my nine in terms of guessing and who's maybe the best nine but i want to see a healthy bit of jordan goodwin to start the year yeah i think you to go again go back to That doghouse better be damn near empty all year is what I'm saying. Like I don't want to see anyone in the doghouse for that long if they're in the doghouse. I want to see a lot of guys getting a lot of opportunities because I think Jordan Goodwin, yes, Bull Bull, these guys, especially with more of the unknown at center now, um, you have to figure out what you have in these guys. So... I want to see Eric Gordon nearly every night just because I think figuring out how he contributes offensively still with this much firepower already is really important. He cannot just be a catch-and-shoot guy, just like you just can't have Durant in the corner and be like, yay, gravity value. Like, no, that's not how it works. You need to get a little bit out of his driving. You need to get a little bit out of his – like, he is a three-level scorer, a yeah. fourth one on his team. Goodwin. Okay, the initiation stuff we talked about. How much of real is that? Is he the best perimeter defender on this team? He very well could be. If he's the best perimeter defender on this team and he can do the right thing in the corner, then he should probably be the fifth starter, and that's something you got to figure out now. Nasir Little, same. It's the similar kind of thing. Like He could very well be, from an impact perspective, loose balls, rebounds, uh, athleticism up and down the court, all that kind of stuff, plus everything I just talked about with Goodwin. He could be the fifth starter. KBD, I think, is you have to figure out what you have in him as well, and I think they will. But that's where a guy like Yuta or a guy like Damian Lee, to your point, like I think you know what you have there. I don't yeah. think there's much mystery to those guys. Like even Eric Gordon, you know what you have there. But to the center position, like I think I know what we got in Drew. U- I think you know what you got in Drew Eubanks. Don't know what you got in Bowl Bowl or Metsu. Like you, you got to see him play. So I'm I'm very curious to see. Um. Maybe the one thing that I'm going to be asking about the most. Um, it's so easy to go into a media day and write about how it's going to be a competitive training camp and there's going to be an open competition. But it that is. is actually what is happening.
0: And I want to see if Vogel like I want to ask like until you get those two second rounders I on know that how, trade yeah. block and you just got to pull the trigger. I know how you guys
1: typically answer these questions. I know what you're going to say, but at the same time. Like, are you going to be mixing and matching these guys as much as it seems like you should, given how many options you got to sift through in the next six months? And it's the same thing that I've said before, but in a different way now, with more emphasis on figuring out what you got. If they know by the end of January what they got, good and bad, they're cooking. Yeah, they're going to win the whole thing if we are in March and we're still looking around, like maybe they should go back to Kogi one more time just to be
0: sure. Or we're talking
1: talking like, can they package this? Uh, That's in, we should not be looking at this roster and being like, can they still reroute Allen and little elsewhere and get a fifth? in theory? That's a good thing to do. Um, And they should do it right now. If they find the right guy who's a lockdown fifth guy, but like we talked about, in the off season, like there was never going to be a Caleb Martin or OG Anunoby an type to like emerge from here. It just
0: wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a good way to end every podcast. Because do we really know anything? No. Oh, we forgot. This has been sitting here it's an for our bobblehead. Po- I had never seen it before. It's actually know. pretty. Uh, like for our podcast listeners who are not on the video. We have a DeAndre in bobblehead who just sat here with us. He's wearing sunglasses, carrying a cell phone. Very dapper man, wearing his Pumas. Maybe the fit king of the team, DeAndre. <sighs> he was great with his fits. It was a good fit. It's a good bobblehead, um, but we might have to retire you, bud. Pack some umbrellas, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're gonna
1: miss you. Huh? Damn jeremy our 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 producer is letting us know that some guy named damian lillard got traded
0: and uh, i did mention it halfway through i'm on top of it this is why i don't remember if we mentioned it off the bat uh do you real quick do you think it was bad the Suns helped the bucks do a thing that put a good player on their basketball team even though drew holiday left and then might be rerouted somewhere else it's just not how my brain works i'm the wrong person to ask that do you get what i'm saying yeah you already answered that i knew the answer why did i do that well no it's also like i'm just like you yeah. should help yourself what do you what do they say i, I pit. i don't know remember with the nuggets when
1: in the postseason we were like you just got to have eight guys man yeah they got the five in this the best starting five in basketball. That Bruce Brown guy, six starter off the bench. That's fantastic. Hey, Christian Brown's good right away. Cool. Oh, Jeff Green is now actually being a positive contributor again the playoffs. Eight guys. Done. Let's win a title with that. Yeah. Stick with me here. You ready? Uh-huh. Strapped in. Damian Lillard. Chris Middleton. Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's good. Brooke Lopez. That's good. Bobby Portis. That's good five names ready to hear the rest Uh uh-oh malik beasley yeah pat Connison, i think is one of those guys jay crowder yeah draft favorite in kellen's annual research the draft in two weeks tradition andre jackson okay out of connecticut suddenly kind of i I saw nakai's tweet that yeah kind of sneaky important all of a sudden on this team Robin Lopez is in the mix as well. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp? Possibly. Is it happening? Is it the time? Did Do they have the other three guys, Kev? Are they there? They're very close. They might be one short. Can not put you on the spot? Mm, yeah. Do the Suns no longer have the best one-two in the league? They do not. Still think they do. But I'm hmm. I'm the dame guy. And I'm the dame guy too. But I still think they do, but it's like it's it's very close now. I thought it was pretty undisputed before they had the best one two in basketball, but whew, talking about that's the guys pretty much running the league right now. I know that's a bold claim with Giannis, but I feel like he is kind nah, of doing, yeah. it's him and Jokic running the league right now, at least co they're co running it and then you add that Damian Lillard guy to it. Let me, before we go, because to your point on like Oh my gosh! What are they doing? Why are they, why are they letting this happen? Why are, they, wh- what's going on? You should not be reacting like that. You know, I'm going to tell people how to react because that's my job, mm-hmm. right? Um, you should not be reacting in that way about the Dame trade. But if Drew Holiday's on the Lakers in the <laughs> week. I um I was imagining brain pills. capacity neurons, protons, all those things buzzing around in my blood cells. I have not been able to piece together yet and look at the viability on this day, September 27th, who is tradable, who is not, who could theoretically get Mr. Holiday, but I think that he is one of the most underrated players in basketball. He's coming off of maybe the best year of his career, probably the best year of his career. He is a... I can say this about a guy who isn't a superstar or even maybe a star corner. He's an amazing basketball player. I think Drew's amazing. And I think that if any team in the you West... Know, you, know who makes a, you know who makes a lot of sense?
0: Pals and Clippers. Don't know how viable it is for the Clippers. You know Clippers.
1: how I've been we used to do this thing where there was like a table in front of me and i would i would do the bit right now where i would just bat my head on the table this time <laughs> memphis it's time oh it's yeah. time give up every pick in the world
0: go for it have this guy give feed. up B- bain or something i don't know you have to give up in that that backcourt him marcus smart and John ja morant
1: yeah desmond bain trade one of them yeah
0: you got to that would be fun. I'm not saying trade one; just like have those four guys together, play three we guard lineups. You have to trade up. someone. Do they have picks? They probably have a lot of picks. Maybe they went too
1: early on Mr. Smart because Drew Holiday is just a much much better yeah. Marcus Smart. You were saying Pel's Clippers, uh, Lakers. I'm going to like the DLo yeah, thing was w- like you're you have a tradable contract now. That's basically what you're doing. Yeah, uh, there's got to be a Bobby Marks video somewhere, a Windhorse video somewhere where they're talking about who can trade for him right now. Um, Minnesota, yeah, like Conley and stuff shake up there yeah you know who would be fun but it's never gonna happen okay see yeah him shea giddy
0: do like dort (sighs) and stuff two of the best perimeter defenders in the league yeah yeah that's not gonna happen though
1: sacramento hey does that make sense I think he makes sense everywhere, but all I'm yeah. all I'm saying is Jeremy, the resident Miami fan of anything Miami. By the way, check that Marlins score. Sucks <laughs> to suck. You gotta hope he goes east because this mm-hmm. could legitimately change things. I think that at the present, I believe the Suns are still to me co favorites with the Nuggets. That is how I will list it, out of respect to the defending champions. And they are much more of the known commodity than the unknown commodity, so I would even say in some respects they should be treated as the favorite. But there's a good chance that a third team joins that hunt here real soon, because again, I just think Drew Holiday is like immensely underrated. Like we I he might not even like that Memphis thing, the reason why I think it works is like Drew just doesn't need the ball. He doesn't need the ball. I'll still do the thing. It's fine. I'm trying to manifest the Memphis team right now. I'm trying to make that happen. Talk about Gray and Grind coming back. That's the man who grits and grinds, you know what I'm saying? I know. When I say that, it probably means we should stop recording. (laughs) Do you
0: think so? We've covered it. We've done some work here. We've ground. We're going to have a different backdrop the next time we do this, bud. Oh, Monday.
1: Media day. Pending other things happening, I will say I think if Drew gets traded, we should come back. If he gets traded to the West, we should come back. Okay because i think that we sat here in the postseason or in the off season, and something i kept saying was like how much are other teams gonna get better and i thought the suns got not lucky but it was fortunate how the big moves were what dallas did with grant williams what golden state <laughs> did with chris paul what memphis did with marcus smart what the lakers did retaining guys what they got Like, there wasn't really any land shifting kind of move, but I think Drew would be. Hmm. So, we'll be back for that. And maybe if the Suns make, if they trade Keon Johnson for pick swaps, I'm sorry, everyone. We're not going to be doing a breaking edition of the podcast for that. But I can confidently say we have started, we're underway. Maybe there was a chance where we did this podcast and we didn't have content coming for the next couple of days. But you, Eric Ruby, and I, shout out to Eric Ruby for the idea. He's been uh, the captain of that ship. 36 and bothered. We are 10 days in now to uh, Suns Post today, where the three of us give our thoughts on some topic that is Suns related. And then we have If of the Fifth, which will continue. You and I are going to have conversations about that when the mic turns off about what we want to do with it because I have an air post waiting, but no one's going to read that today because I just want to read about <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic and all these other new additions, which we are going to be writing about later in the week in that series itself and on that series as well. So make sure to check out the website uh go to our twitters go to our youtube page where this video will be posted if you want to see how i manage the hand situation i just kept rubbing my legs and then trying to like i did some crosses i'm like half closed fist right now because i kind of landed on that being a good thing but then i started weirdly scratching (laughs) my like side of my knees can you tell how much fun i'm having me not being in our studio anymore
0: (laughs) oh brother all right, we'll see you from <laughs> Media Day on Monday. I didn't mention that part, right? Media day. You on Monday. didn't. We have Media Day Monday. We'll record again then if nothing else happens in between. What
1: I said to you before we clicked record is the entire um, pressers for book especially could be just... Hey, what's it like? Not ew, Chris Paul's gone. Hey, man, Monty Williams is gone. Hey, man, DeAndre Ayton's gone. The guy. Hey, you didn't talk. Him. What? What up with that loss to the hey, Nuggets? Hey, man, you guys traded for Bradley Beal. Like it, it just. There's so much there to. Hey, Frank Vogel's your coach now. <laughs> a lot, a lot there to unpack that we will with Mr. Booker and everyone else. And we'll tell you about it on Monday. Goodbye.